Hello and welcome to another edition of the Total Entertainment Podcast with me, Paul Collis. And today, we're going to take a look at Bastille whilst they're on tour and at Cardiff Arena. So, today is not that large a show, but it is pretty tasty on the amount of technology that they're using. But before that, how many trucks do we have? We have five 40-foot trucks and we have five tour buses. So a nicely distributed set of crew and catering, etc, etc. And just before I go and talk about what's going on inside, it is now 10 to 12, noon that is, and we already have four superfans queuing up outside to try and get in, which the doors are not going to open until half... Uh, until half 6 p.m. and they've got a long wait and there's going to be a lot of showers today. So hopefully they've packed enough uh, soup in their thermos flasks and got some nice waterproofs. Anyways, I digress. So they're pretty much all set up on stage. It's a standing gig today with some seats at the back. So they've basically kept the um, main seats at the opposite end to the stage out and all the rest of the seats have been turned into walls. Why have they done this? Well, it's just a hybrid event and they don't need to put the seating away in the locker because they've just made a nice little wall either side of the arena. doesn't matter, it works and from what I can see they are near enough sold up but not quite so it makes more sense to just wall it up and make it look that little bit more full. Okay so sound wise the PA system is pretty much built although they have yet to place any subs along the front of the stage I believe that will be uh, the next job once they finish loading stuff onto the stage which is still going on. They've got one forklift just loading cases up onto the stage ready for them to uh, empty out so these cases are going to be having sections of the band and lights that are going to be on the floor of the stage they don't have a front of house truss yet they may have one later on i'm not sure i can't see any winches for them so they've only got the uh, trusses that's over stage lx1 lx2 3 4 and 5 now it's a bit interesting why have they got five LX bars? That's not usual. Well, I'll tell you why. They have those translucent glass-like screens and they got some on LX3. So it's gonna look pretty, pretty interesting. They're currently building the main screen on LX3. What they have got that is very, very visible at the moment, they've got some LED crosses, which are two meters wide and there is next to no gap between them although they are staggered so one's uh, you got one on a downstage bar which is LX2 and then you got another set on LX4 so basically fills in the gap so you got one forward one back one forward one back one forward one back and that's going to give a nice optical illusion of everything on they've got more of those on uh, the back tab LX5 so it's going to look pretty, pretty interesting. They got a, they got a big array of moving light, 
washers and profiles on the main trusses as, as well as these LED crosses and I'm sure they will be putting more have more moving lights on the stage on the floor of the stage stage left and stage right you have the line arrays which are too wide and 14 deep and then you have the smaller line arrays a little bit back 45 degrees outwards given the surround sound effect and I shall update you on the meatiness of this sound system once they start putting in the subs in front of the stage in the pit We'll be back after this. So not only does Master X Media have a series of podcasts, but we also have a series of books. The first book is actually two books. It's volume one and volume two of a tribute to working at sea. The best fiction is based on truth. This is a compilation of short stories, rants and poems loosely based on the author's experience at working on a cruise ship. Some of these stories are based on actual events but highly exaggerated, whilst other stories are pure fiction. The title of the book A Tribute To is fitting with the tone of the book because, like a tribute act, it is a blatant altered reality where you can enjoy it knowing it's not quite the truth. There are things of alcoholism which used to be highly prevalent within workers in the cruise industry as well as stories with a sexual nature. So sit down, relax and enjoy the ride of A Tribute to Working at Sea Volumes 1 and 2. All of these books are available on Amazon and are available in paperback and on Kindle and the links for all of these books are in the description below. And we're back, say Bastille are an English pop rock band formed in 2010. The group began as a solo project led by vocalist Dan Smith, but later expanded to include keyboardist Kyle Simmons, bassist and guitarist Will Farquharson and drummer Chris Woody Wood. After an independently released debut single and self-released EP, the band signed to Virgin Records. Their first DJ album, Bad Blood, was released in March 2013 and entered the UK Albums Chart at number one and included the hit single Pompeii, which peaked at number two in the UK Singles Chart. Bastille was nominated for four Brit Awards in the 2014 ceremony winning the British Breakthrough Act. As of August 2021, the band have sold over 11 million records worldwide. The name of the band derives from Bastille Day, which, celebrated, which is celebrated on the 14th of July, Smith's, which is Smith's birthday. Bastille's musical style has been described as indie pop, pop rock, synth pop, electro pop, alternative rock, pop and indie rock. Bastille's music has been used on the TV soap Hollyoaks, with one week in the early summer of 2012 focused on Bastille's song Laura Palmer. Their music also had been on Made in Chelsea and Waterloo Road. The song Oblivion was featured in Season 4, Episode 9 of The Vampire Diaries in December 2012. Things We Lost in the Fire was used in the 2014 Ultimate Trailer for English soap opera EastEnders. They can also be heard on Teen Wolf and the fourth episode of How to Get Away with Murder with the Naughty Boy collaboration No One's Here to Sleep. The song Haunt can be heard in Season 1 finale of TV series Finding Carter. In August 2017, the band released a version of the Green Day song Basket Case for the Peter Serafonwick's series The Tick. 
The song Pompeii is featured in the 2014 movie Mr. Peabody and Sherman. The band's song The Driver was used as used in the re-scored soundtrack of the 2011 film Drive, produced for the BBC by Zane Lowe for its October 2014 TV broadcast. The band also featured in the Kill Your Friends 2015 soundtrack with the cover of, Sugar, of the Sugar Babes debut single Overload. 9th of November in 2017, the band released a music video for World Gone Mad, a song for the, next, for the Netflix movie Bright. On the 10th of February 2021, the band released an Amazon original documentary, Bastille Reorchestrated. The song Pompeii is featured in First Touch game, First Touch Soccer 15, the Konomi game Pro Evolution Soccer 2015, and a remix of the song is featured in Need for Speed Rivals. The band's music has appeared in the FIFA video games three times, Weight, uh, Weight of Living Party in FIFA 13, Hang In in FIFA 16 and Send Them Off in, fifth, in FIFA 17. Bastille's music has also been featured in the simulation game The Sims 3 in the Supernatural DLC, specifically the song Laura Palmer, in which, which is dubbed over the video game's language in, in Simlish. In 2019, a cover of Can't Fight This Feeling was recorded by the band for the John Lewis and Waitress Christmas advert. The band performed Pompeii at Birmingham New Street Railway Station for a TV advert for EE in November 2019. The gig was uh, was a world first as it was streamed via 5G and captured in augmented reality. The advert was released on the 13th of January 2020. In May 2021, the band recorded a cover of the turtle song Happy Together for, the, for a Spanish Toyota advert. In 2017, all members of the band and tour manager Dick Meredith featured as extras in the final episode of Season 7 of Game of Thrones. Simmons and Meredith made the cuts where Smithwood and Ferguson were cut out. So current members you have Ta you have Dan Smith on lead vocals, piano, keyboards, guitar. You have Carl Simmons, piano, keyboard and backing vocals and bass. Will Ferguson, guitar, bass, backing vocals, piano, keyboards. Chris Woody Wood on drums, percussion and backing vocals. And you've got the touring member Charlie Barnes on guitar, piano, keyboard, synthesizer and backing vocals, percussion, bass. Their studio albums are Bad Blood in 2013, Wild World in 2016, Doom Days in 2019 and this year they've just released Give Me The Future. Right, so now we've heard a bit more about Bastille, let's take a look at their supporting artists. We'll be back after this. A tribute to men that hate their jobs is a brutal but witty portrayal of working a job you hate. In this podcast there are themes explored in which happy workers simply wouldn't understand unless they listen to these cautionary tales from a man that lost his ideal job because of the global pandemic. Be warned that this podcast contains strong offensive language that some listeners may not want to hear. In addition, this podcast is definitely not recommended for younger audiences. The links for this is in the description below. And we're back. So supporting Bastille, you've got two supports actually. You've got Dylan and you have the natives. So we're going to start off with Dylan. So Dylan is a 22-year-old indie pop musician from Suffolk 
has been working on staying true to herself in her music and is ready to reveal all in her new EP coming this April. Recalling fond memories and of singing along to classic rock songs from a young age, Dylan was always surrounded by music and saw no other choice but to follow her passion to create empowering pop music with an indie twist. Dylan has an exciting year coming up supporting Bastille and Tate McRae on tour and has her own headline show lined up across the US and UK so be sure to watch her live if you can. So there's not much about her because she's pretty much starting out and what a way to start out supporting two big, uh, big bands. So there were, I haven't been able to find anything on Wikipedia for her and hopefully I can find a little bit more. So far I've managed to find six songs by uh, Dylan. That is No Romeo, Live Without It, Someone Else, Alone, You're Not Harry Styles and 19. So it's going to be interesting to hear about uh, someone not being uh, not someone not being Harry Styles. Uh, that'd be quite interesting. That so not much can be found about Dylan, but yet again, it's where she's starting out. We're going to go straight on to having a look at the Native, who are the second support for Bastille. The Native are a relatively new to the scene five-piece indie band from Plymouth with their debut single Chasing Highs, only being released last August. But they are already making a name for themselves, having been championed by the likes of BBC Introducing, Southwest and receiving high praise from Clash, Ear Milk and the legendary New Music Springboard This Feeling. Stellar songwriting with a fresh appeal and the native's work and the native's work has transformed them into one of the country's most sought after new groups and that was quoted by the clash barely into their 20s the quintet are producing tunes that are bre- that are brimming with wisdom and touching on subjects that expose their talented songwriting skills and that was a quote from ear milk the native are now back with their latest offering in my mind what first starstruck us when we heard the native's new single was just how stunning the vocals are. The standard is just so high. Everything is perfectly polished. In fact, it's hard to believe that this is a band who are an emerging talent. Their music totally outweighing their relatively recent introduction. This band take us back to when we first heard the mighty Sam Fender, not to compare, but to wholeheartedly compliment the native on being what they are so early on in their career. The native's Charlie Norderweir had said, of the new set of the new track and their music in general we found ourselves looking back on the twist in terms of half remembered nights out craving them every weekend some people think that coming from plymouth is a bad thing for your career we're really proud to come from down here though we want to put plymouth on the map with our music so yeah again not much to be yet uh, not much to be known about uh, the natives along with dialing but i'm sure once we've heard them We'll make up our minds about them, and hopefully, hopefully there'll be another ba- another two uh, group. Well, another singer and another band on the playlist for for this summer at my barbecues. We'll be back after this. The name's Vert, Percival Reginald Vert, and I run the PR Vert Detective Agency. The year is 2055, and the police have been defunded. So if you need a police investigation, the police will charge you a thousand big ones a day. Because of this, the government introduced the PI Act. 
while the private investigators can undercut the police so justice can become affordable. These are my case files. Percival Vert is no hero. He is a low-life scumbag and the full embodiment of how not to be a man. He cheats his way into getting work, he objectifies women and is quite a disgusting human being, if you can even call him that. Gumshoe is intended to poke fun at everyone that takes life too seriously and directly towel whips the modern day Puritans in the balls because they have forgotten the fact that when something isn't funny in real life, it's probably hilarious in the land of fiction. Come and listen to Gumshoe every Wednesday. The links are in the description below. And we're back. So the stage is near enough complete now. You have the uh, subs been put in and, and they're directly below the uh, stage left and stage right line arrays. They are basically too many walls of subs. You have a 7 foot by 7 foot square of subs. So 7 foot high, 7 foot wide. You've got a few speakers within this stack but it looks like a nice complete little wall. Both sides. Nothing in the middle. Although you, you have got a couple of front fills going across the stage. You have four front fills directly coming out from the front of the stage. Lighting wise, all the bars are up in the air and the screen is fully working. It's only a short screen. I would say two meters high and it spans the whole of the stage. And they've put in their side lighting which is a load of LED pars which are on booms and they taper into the walls of the screen and then you've got a row of them underneath the screen seven mini booms underneath the screen and three lights high and then it replicates stage right onto stage left on its tapering uh, tapering out with the booms and you've also got some of these crosses which are attached to the booms below the screen so when all these lights light up and I've just seen the test of it. it actually looks quite impressive and gives a nice 3D effect and merges both the lights in with the AV with the band as well so it's a very immersive experience on stage the band's all set up and you've got a couple of different risers on the stage and one of the risers on the front you've got what can only be described as a psychiatrist's chair so that's going to be there for, I suppose, a bit of theatrical presence, shall we say. The, right, the band risers are a few multiple ones, all pretty much joined together, but at different levels. And it's going to look pretty uh, tasty on there. If you're a singer, a musician, a cabaret artist, dancer, actor, and you want to promote your show, or promote yourself and you want to have a conversation you could do this by coming on our show the email address to contact me is masterxmedia1983 at gmail.com and come on our show and we're back so the native started off with a James Brown intro as they walked onto the stage there's a smidge of face light from the LX1 movers and a Congo blue wash uh, backlighting them and this whole and this state lasted for their entire set. So nothing much lighting wise in there other than a bit of face as I said for the face light and the backlight. As they wanted to keep Bastille's lighting rig as top secret as possible. 
and how do you do that when it's all on show you don't use it <laughs> okay right so the band was set extreme downstage uh, which basically was the entire front lip of the of the uh, stage they didn't have much depth to them because of the drum risers and they were spread out across the whole stage although they did have one of the risers for their drums and that was right and that riser was stage right side of downstage and there was also another drum riser opposite which was covered up because that was Dylan's sorry I pronounced that earlier on as Dylan it's actually pronounced as Dylan I just thought okay right maybe a female artist with a bit of panache but no it's actually pronounced Dylan so apologies to that. Anyways, sound wise, the native had a 22 carat sound mix. It was really, really clear. So much clarity within it. And uh, they definitely had a great sound engineer who did a job, who did the job really well, especially with the massive PA system that they had. I was expecting them to be a bit mobbed, but no, they weren't. It worked pretty well, pretty well indeed. And how were they at playing? Well, the skill level of the native was really impressive, especially from a new band that's up and coming. You, would, you wouldn't expect them to be uh, playing with that much skill and uh, stage presence being their first major tour as a, as a support act. It, it just feels like they've been doing it for many, many years and uh, owning that stage. and. To be honest, whilst I was occupying that bit of Bastille stage, they truly, truly owned that stage. Every member of the band can play their instruments very well, and the lead vocals were strong. I mean, very strong, especially from a young lad who uh, is relatively inexperienced in the grand scheme of things, but he was—he had quite a powerful voice. So, how did the audience react to? The native. When they started, the audience had 48% capacity, which, from an from an early set, that's not bad going. And as their set progressed and uh, it was getting more and more packed, the applause was getting louder and louder. But I have to say, the applause that they received uh, after their first song and even their second song, where it was still relatively quite empty. They were getting an applause as though it was 75% full. It was good, really powerful. And it just goes to show that they are definitely a quality act that's up and coming. I would actually think the style of the natives was, uh, well, mid to late 90s. And I'd put them like Britpop, definitely Britpop. That's the feel that it comes across to me. They may describe themselves as something else, but I would say they are definitely, they definitely got a modern Britpop sound to them, which is not a bad thing. I, I like Britpop, you know? <laughs> so to round things up, great sound, basic lighting because they're having to keep an open preset with all, their, with all the Bastille's kit, having to keep that all top secret so it's not used. And, the sound was amazing, absolutely amazing. 
the native should definitely be proud of themselves they really did well on their first biggest show that they've ever done they've done other shows on this tour but they had nowhere near this capacity and they did pretty well for the first massive gig they should be proud of themselves they really should we'll be back after this 30 years since is a sci-fi story podcast which is full of dramatical moments and a bit of gratuitous violence. The first series was originally done in first person, so it, the character is just telling a monologue, and then the second series and onwards became more third person, so it was more of an in-depth story, and uh, you have all the characters actually interacting with each other. Great set of sci-fi stories. So, 30 years after an alien invasion, which uh, the humans lost and the first story arc is now over though we've got plenty more story arcs left to tell from the land of 30 years since so why not check it out the links are in the description below and we're back so Dylan earlier on I called him I called her Dylan and I thought oh maybe it's just an artistic way with a bit of panache to change it up but no she's as common as I am it's pronounced Dylan <laughs> nothing wrong with that though because uh, she definitely wasn't dragged up like me she was brought up she had a lot of class about her actually so as Dylan came out the stage was yet again in the Congo Blues and the drummer and Dylan's main guitarist they were all they uh, got preset and as soon as they started to play the lights came up and then Dylan full of energy came from stage left centre stage with a massive flying kick in the air lots of energy and it just feels like she was definitely being groomed into being a proper full-blown artist she had a lot of stage presence about her even before she even started to sing which is great it's really great um, so lighting wise just like the native back lit Congo blue with a hint of fate slight from the from LX1 and that was it simple effective she was seen her band was seen and it works. You don't need all singing, all dancing, light rigs, especially if if you're a support act. Sometimes you just got to save save those pennies and save up for another gig. But anyways, that's just how it is. So musically, I noticed that on top of her drummer and guitarist, she also had a click track, and that click track had her bass line, and it also had her backing vocals as well. And also at points during her performance, Dylan also picked up her own guitar. And she wouldn't obviously take the lead, she would just added in bits and pieces into the song, which should just riffs, which uh, enhanced the song itself, because her main guitarist was doing the legwork, which is all well and good, because at the end of the day, Dylan wrote the track. Dylan also had a couple of cover tracks in her set, because she didn't have that many songs within her repertoire, because at the end of the day, just like the uh, natives, she was just she's just starting out so and she hasn't actually got her album out fully yet 
spot it, there will be one soon enough. And her first cover song was Katy Perry's I Kissed a Girl. And it was a very heavy version of it. Now when I say heavy, it wasn't heavy metal version of it. It was definitely an indie version with a heavy tilt to it. Which worked actually, I really thought it worked. So sound wise, she yet again, just like the natives, she received 22 carat clarity. It was perfect. And yes, you could hear some of the click track, which was supposed to be there because for uh, operational reasons and cost reasons, she didn't have a full band, which you can't really uh, argue, uh, you can't really argue about because she had a drummer who was who I have to say was very skilled, and her lead guitarist was also very skilled as well. Sometimes you're just gonna have to make the cut back, especially if you're just starting out. So yeah, you got a click track with your bass and your backing vocals, big deal. Most of it was played particularly live, and it was mixed into the actual live bits pretty well, I have to say. You wouldn't even notice that they were at click tracks if you're a standard member of the audience who doesn't know much about the technology involved. Dylan's second cover was of Guns N' Roses' Paradise City, and she got the audience clapping along to it, which is really good to see, actually. It's a good song and yet again with uh, that cover you could hear bits that were obviously click tracked in such as the uh, bass rift uh, and some of the BVs as well but it did sound really good she had a good spin on it and then she segued into one of her own songs at one point I thought oh is she gonna return out return into Paradise City but no she didn't but I would say this though her own song picked and played around the chord structure of Paradise City so she just took the chords and made a really good song around all the songs that's why it merged so well very talented musician not many people can do that I have to say you know I actually think that this is definitely not the last time we'll hear from Dylan on this uh, podcast as well as uh, within the Motorpoint Arena. I do feel that she will be uh, supporting other people in the future. And I also believe that at some point in the future, next two or three years, she might even headline her own show. She just needs more material, which is not a bad thing because she's quite literally just starting out. I mean, just not long starting out. And uh, she's made some great headway supporting a band such as Bastille from being relatively new and undiscovered so hopefully by the end of this tour she would have actually increased fans and uh, people searching her work I'm sure you'll be able to find some of her songs on uh, YouTube Uh, in fact I would be uh, very dead certain that she would have stuff on YouTube now how did the audience react well yet again just like just like the natives they loved her they really really loved her and she got some real good heavy applauses and by the time she had finished her set the venue was at 90 percent capacity so she definitely got the full works of the applause she definitely did and it was very well deserved and i just all i can do is hope that dylan continue on as strong as she started We'll be back after this.
So not only does Master X Media have a series of podcasts, but we also have a series of books. The first book is actually two books, it's volume one and volume two, of a tribute to working at sea. The best fiction is based on truth. This is a compilation of short stories, rants and poems loosely based on the author's experience at working on a cruise ship. Some of these stories are based on actual events but highly exaggerated, whilst other stories are pure fiction. The title of the book A Tribute To is fitting with the tone of the book because, like a tribute act, it is a blatant altered reality where you can enjoy it knowing it's not quite the truth. There are things of alcoholism which used to be highly prevalent within workers in the cruise industry as well as stories with a sexual nature. So sit down, relax and enjoy the ride of A Tribute to Working at Sea Volumes 1 and 2. All of these books are available on Amazon and are available in paperback and on Kindle and the links for all of these books are in the description below. And we're back. So when Bastille started their show, started off with, with a load of LED uh, floods on the floor, going around the uh, st- around the outline of the stage, pointing outwards to the audience. And then slowly, as this intro uh, continued, you had the first row of LED poles that was surrounding the stage, bit just lighting up all in white, and they all started to fade in and out and started strobing and then the band came out and then on the screen the VT started which introduced us to Future Inc which was the theme throughout the whole show as in the future technologies and whatnot and how it's starting to run a mark and I like I did like that concept and that screen, the, LED, the, the transparent LED screen is such an amazing piece of technology. And their screen wasn't that big. It was deep enough and long enough to uh, do what they did. And that was and a long widescreen VT. And it looked really good actually. Visually it was great. And then all these LED uh, crosses that they had, not only in the grid, but on the lower levels of the stage as well. It really had a uh, 1980s Tron effect, especially when they're using the greens and then, and other neon colours such as purples, pinks, and uh, and even to a degree neon blues as well. It really had a proper old school 1980s feel to it with the modern technology, and you just couldn't replicate that with older technology. You needed to have the LED uh, kit that they had or it just wouldn't work. Visually this show was second to none. They had incorporated everything into each other such as the VTs were designed to work well along and work alongside the uh, lighting effects. And it was a massive visual masterpiece. You can't knock them for that. You really, really couldn't. And face light wise, they were lit with uh, the LX1, with the LX1 main uh, face lights, which uh, were focused onto every every section of the stage. But you also had the Robo spots doing the legwork, and those Robo spot operators were pretty sharp. They they were always on cue, always on time, and it looked pretty slick and swish. 
when you take a look at the uh, VTs getting merged into the live camera feeds, it was it was Vision Mix pretty god pretty goddamn hot. It really it really was definitely worth the money that they spent on that show. Now sound wise, yet again, just as Dylan and the natives had their 22 carat sound, so did Bastille. There was not an issue with their main mix. Absolutely nothing. No feedback, which recently we've been plagued with a few bits of that feedback. But not today. It was absolutely mint. It was spot on. The clarity, definitely, they definitely earned the right to, hold, to say they got 22 karat clarity. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful sound, I have to say very good sound even though Bastille are not my kind of band you can appreciate that it was mixed really well and they played their instruments pretty awesome actually uh, they all had space they all had stage presence every member of that band and they enjoyed being up on that stage and they owned that stage they really did it's great when you see that even if you're not a fan of a band but when you know that they, when you know that they've actually got, they've actually earned that place on that stage over the years of hard work, and uh, seeing them enjoy every moment of being up there, and enjoyed giving the crowd exactly what they wanted, you can really, really appreciate it. You really can. And how did the audience respond? They reciprocated. Bastille gave them what they wanted and the audience cheered, they sang, they danced, they were jumping up and down. There was a bit of a mosh here and there, nothing too, uh, nothing too hardcore and even at one point you had the lead singer come down from the stage and into the pit, climb over along with security because this was all pre-arranged and he would go into the crowd and sing to all his admiring to all these admiring girls in the audience and they uh, all got what they wanted he uh, got to be up close with his uh, fans and his fans got to be up close with him and for his whole song which was I believe the second from last song from the main set not including the uh, not including the encore and it was good to see that. It was re really good to see that. It's not often that you actually get to see the uh, the artist leave the stage and actually come into the audience to be with his audience. It's great. It's really great to see. And also throughout the whole show, you could hear all the "I love you" when the band were doing their patter in between songs as well. And he and they obviously responded to it thanking their fans and everything. Now, another thing that I heard along the grapevine was Bastille were always concerned about their band. They themselves, not the management, not the production company, the band wanted to see every single injury report. So if someone got injured, like being crushed against the barriers of the pit, or if they got pulled out of the pit they wanted to be able to write to their fans and see if they were okay which I thought was actually a good touch 
it's not often that you get to see something like that and yes it could be a pain it could be a pain in the ass for security to take down every injured person's details whilst they're trying to keep the pit as clear as possible but they still really really care about their fans and that's exactly what they wanted to do they wanted to be able to talk to their fans that especially the ones that turned up and that got injured at their gig that was very good I have to say it's not often that you get a band that actually cares that much about their band you, it's like not so long ago when Madness were in here and Sug stopped the show because someone had passed out in his line of sight so he stopped the show and got him out I love that I love that and then and there was also that time from many years ago now where Dave Grohl famously stopped the show because someone was being set up being uh, beaten up in the audience and he had that person kicked out and he uh, and the person that was getting bullied in that audience uh, he uh, got a pat on the back and and Dave Grohl actually uh, shook his hand I seem to believe it's great when you actually get the uh, band like Bastille like the Foo Fighters like Madness all being there for their fans it's great it's great to see thank you for listening to today's podcast if you've enjoyed it please hit like subscribe and share and why not check out more of our uh, content from Muster X Media by visiting our webpage that is www.musterxmedia.info and we'll catch you next time bye for now <laughs>